Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're out with new episodes every Tuesday, and sometimes we drop a bonus episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you can get the episodes as soon as they come out. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. You can learn about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. Today's guest is Stephen Lytle. I had an amazing conversation with Stephen. He is a power user on generative AI, namely ChatGPT, and we're talking about how to use it in HR. A lot of individuals have started dabbling with generative AI tools, and Stephen and I talk about the right approach, best uses, how to use it ethically, how to become a prompt engineer, and how to, what Stephen says, treat chat GPT or other generative AI tools like an intern. This is a very insightful discussion. I am a power user on AI tools as well. So Stephen and I really geeked out and you're going to hear that on this podcast today. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Again, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really like this episode, go to Apple Give us a five-star rating. Written review would be awesome too. Or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Let me know how you're liking the show. Uh, Steven also has, he puts out some great stuff on LinkedIn. So make sure to go connect with him there. We'll put links to all the resources in the show notes. Enjoy today's episode featuring Steven Lytle. Hey, Steven, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Really appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to uh, speaking with your, your listeners. Yeah, so I've been actually looking forward to this conversation for a while because I don't get a chance to geek out with people very often. And, you know, of course, AI is this like new topic that, you know, people like you and me, have, we've adapted to this technology. And in fact, we're using it to do our jobs even better, probably more efficient. And there's a lot of people that are still hesitant to use it, don't know what it is. So when you think about generative AI, and I know you've talked a lot with like your employees and probably other people about this, but for those that are unfamiliar with this technology, explain it in simple terms. Like talk to me, like, you know, prompt it, like talk to me like I'm a fifth grader. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think there's a lot of concern about ChatGPT and generative AI because people really don't understand it, right? And, and it's this huge, you know, if we ask people how to use the internet work, we know what the internet is, but we really don't know how it works, right? And generative AI and ChatGPT specifically, they're the same thing. Essentially what they are is they're just a really intricate predictive machine. So, you know, one of the things I always tell people is just imagine having a vast encyclopedia that spans all recorded human knowledge up until 2021. And whenever you ask a question, what generative AI and ChatGPT does is it delves into that big data reservoir, seeks out the patterns and connections that relate to your inquiry. And then it really determines through this predictive model what the best answer for you is. So a great analogy, and you'll probably find today that I'm full of one that might resonate with everyday users is think of it as about ChatGPT being a chef. And that chef has tasted every dish that has ever been made. And then when you ask that chef, hey, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? 
Well, they assess all the countless ways it's ever been made, all the recipes that's ever been there. It talks about all the different ingredients, uh, the methods, the cultural variations, and really it predicts the most suitable response. It's not trained to develop, you know, new learning or develop, you know, new concepts. It's really just trained to create predictive analysis. And so that's why the, the emphasis on prompt engineering and personalization stems from that predictive nature, right? When you're specific in your prompts and your context, when you narrow down the enormous field of possible responses, you get the best possible answer you have. So if you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on wheat bread cut into triangles with crunchy peanut butter, it's going to give you the best recipe for that when you give it the best details. And if you don't give it the details, it's going to give you the recipe that's probably the most common. From your perspective, you're an HR leader. From your perspective, what is it capable of in, in this profession? I'll tell you what, one of the coolest things about ChatGPT is talking about the hypotheticals, right? Like, what is it capable of? And I think we're all still trying to figure that out. I mean, the technology, it's been around for a little bit, but it's only been, you know, really embraced within the last year, right? And I would say even probably more so in the last six months. And so, I mean, what is it capable of? I write blogs on a weekly basis about what it is truly capable of, and it can improve DEI. It can improve the way that we create individualized training. It can analyze and assess. Now, it's important, like I said, it's a predictor of what those answers will be when you prompt it. It's not going to come up with new ideas. So if you're like, help me come up with this brand new idea nobody's ever thought of before, you're probably going to struggle, right? But hypothetically, it can do a lot with all of the information that it has. And, you know, that starts as easy as helping you with your communication to developing a workforce DEI strategy that might not have been in place before. How have you been using it? You said you write blog posts, but like, are there any specific HR related tasks that you've been using it for? I've used it for a lot of things. One of the ways that I've used it most, or one of the ways I've used it most uh, recently is in developing a quarterly incentives program. And we based that incentive program on our values. And the company that I was working with, love, accountability, and passion were those values. And so we developed this quarterly rewards program on it. And then we talked about, well, how do you make sure that you nominate somebody? What's the process? What are the questions that we're asking? How do we evaluate whether they should win or not? What kind of rewards should they get? And so that was a really cool opportunity. I've also used it to help in my day-to-day email communication. For me, one of my developmental opportunities is in communication because I sometimes get too detailed, right? And so for me, it's really helped out on being more succinct, really understanding the tone of what I'm trying to say in the context of that and creating more professional emails. It also helps out a lot when you're doing emails like an ADA or something that, you know, is a performance management where you really want to make sure that it's going to be more particular and more precise in the language and verbiage that you're using. ChatGPT helps you do that and does so very consistently. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you an example of how I used it recently. And and this podcast will air after this has happened. So this is, it's fine that I'm talking about it. So we've got employee awards that we do on a regular basis and it's nominated based on peers. So I had all this survey data and then we knew who we were selecting for winners. And so I took the survey data, real words that the real peers were saying about their colleagues, dumped it into chat GPT. And I said, Hey, write a, an award announcement for this person using XYZ tone, use these survey comments within the announcement and don't say their name until the very end because it's going to be read live. So we wanted to say a little bit about the person and then at the, you know, announce the person at the very end. Output was amazing. Of course, I tweaked it and, you know, made it sound like me because I'll be reading a lot of it. But man, if you're trying to get 95% of the work done in a, in a quick way, in an efficient manner, and then just put your own spin on at the very end, it's a, it's a great use for it. 
I, I've done the same thing. We do welcome to the team emails anytime we hire somebody new. Talk a little bit about what their role is, who they're reporting to, what is their background, a little personal information. And while I'm pretty articulate, I can write those very well. It takes time. It takes time to do it right. And so I uploaded five examples of me writing those in the past and uploaded the email that one of the new candidates sent me. And I said, here are five examples of what we used. Here's the new information. Write me a new one. And within 30 seconds, I had a perfectly executed welcome to the team letter and people saying, man, you write these so well, but I didn't let them in on that secret that I'm now using technology to do so. <laughs> Little do they know that you're not writing it from scratch, but that's okay. I mean, I think we're all going to get used to this because like these tools are embedded into almost every technology. I was... I was reflecting the fact that like chat GPT is like the most well-known thing right now. Cause it's like, it's kind of gone mainstream, but I have a tech stack. I'm in marketing. So like I'm in, I have a tech stack a mile long and I was actually just writing down all the tools that I'm using. And I mean, you'd be surprised at how many of these tools now have AI embedded into it at some level. So like I have implemented a knowledge base system called guru and within the last month they embedded AI into it. Meaning like if you have like a knowledge article of some sort, you can click a button to change the tone. It could do a too long, didn't read summary, like just all these things that generate based on the content. And it's just amazing what work's going to look like in the next year to five years, right? A hundred percent. You know, I, I tell people, you know, this generative AI thing is, you know, it's kind of new, but AI is not new. If you remember Microsoft Word when Clippy, the little paper clip would pop up and be like, hey, do you need help? That was artificial intelligence. Every time you write an email and Outlook is like finishing the sentence for you, that's generative AI. That's what people fail to understand. It's not something new. It's just we're using the technology in a different way today. I know you've seen that meme that's floating around the internet. It's like, it's the Scooby-Doo thing where it's like, let's see who you really are. And it's the like the mat, pulling off the mask and it's Clippy, the Microsoft. <laughs> we, all it's, Clippy. we all love Clippy. We all love Clippy. So if you think about employees who are just like overwhelmed, uh, maybe even leaders, but they're overwhelmed with the chat GPT conversation or just all these other AI tools, what are some ways as an employer that you can thoughtfully roll this out and introduce it to employees. Yeah, yeah. You know, the introduction of generative AI into the workplace, it, it can be a sensitive matter. People talk about their fears and, you know, is AI going to replace my job? And, you know, how's my job going to change because of AI? And, you know, to alleviate fears and build trust, I really think that leaders must first adopt the technology themselves, you know, exploring and understanding its benefits. To talk about something that you've never actually gotten onto and used or to try to develop policies for that really just is kind of, it doesn't make sense. So what we really need to do is have leaders go on and say, oh, let me have it help me with an email, right? Let it help me with my annual evaluation that I need to write. Let it help me do A, B, or C. And once they start to recognize the benefits of it, I think the leaders will start to be more of a proponent for that. I mean, imagine a technology that augments human capabilities, assists in mundane tasks, provides insights, and serves as a creative sounding board. Well, why are we not going to want to use that, right? It has all of this functionality. So I really think leaders just have to become advocates for this technology and guide their teams in the effective use. So that's going to require transparent communication about it. It's going to take collaboration with different teams around building policies around responsible use if necessary. Think of it really as a process of nurturing your garden. You have to have careful planning, you have to educate, and you really have to share the ownership to lead that growth. So I think that that's one area where like the leadership component is really important because you don't want people to be afraid of this. The other thing is I think identifying team members that can be subject matter experts can really empower one, 
that individual. And then two, they can be a champion for it and inspire others for that use, just like any other change management. And so now that champion becomes a beacon of knowledge and expertise. They help guide others. They help answer questions. They help alleviate concerns. And you've helped them develop, become a peer leader. And you've also started to drive innovation at your company, right? So I just think it's you know crucial that we consider how do we roll that out, including the ethical aspects. I mean, that's something that scares people. You know, the intellectual property and data privacy is something that scares especially leaders, right? And so understanding how you build chatbots to reduce IP risk or adding extra layers of trust and security, I think will alleviate a lot of those concerns on the leadership level and then will allow it to be used in more innovative fashions to really drive efficiency and productivity. Mm-hmm. A lot of experts, uh, thought leaders in this space that I follow, they say, treat it like an intern or a personal assistant. You give it clear direction, you give it clear feedback. And then you're going to be able to use it to its fullest capabilities. Does that analogy resonate with you? Do you think that's on point? And do you have to manage it a whole lot like an intern? I mean, I will tell you when, obviously, with all podcasts, you say, here are some of the things we might be talking about. And when you talked about this analogy, I was like, man, I wonder if he picked this up on the LinkedIn post that I made about a month ago, in which, again, I said I can be a king of analogies here. I wrote exactly about that, right? And I do think that treating generative AI like an intern is probably a pretty vivid and practical analogy. I mean, imagine having an intern who's always available, never gets tired, always wants to sift through vast amounts of information and data in seconds, right? They can handle those mundane tasks. They can research complex topics. They can even provide creative insights. Uh, sign me up for that intern. I mean, even if we have to pay for that intern, I'm probably going to want that intern, right? Because there, it's such a, a strong tool. But like managing an intern, it's going to require oversight, right? You need to make sure you give it guidance, you know, that detail that we talked about earlier and the quality control, right? So clear instructions, checking their work, ensuring that the work meets their standards is really important. Just like you wouldn't give an intern your project that you're going to present to the CEO next week and just take it hands off and say, boom, this is what we're going with. You're going to treat AI the same way. You want to check the work. You want to make sure that the work is correct. You want to make sure that it doesn't hallucinate, which is a concern with it, right? So I think it's really about, you know, treating it like an intern is a fantastic analogy because it can enhance productivity. It can offer innovative insights, but ultimately it doesn't replace the human touch, right? So you've got to think about some of these other things where you lean in, like emotional intelligence, empathy, judgment, intuition. These are uniquely human attributes that will always remain vital in the workplace, especially in HR, that, you know, generative AI cannot replace. Yeah. This um, guidance that you're talking about with generative AI, the technical term that people are using is prompt engineering. So it's just the way in which you're describing what you want done. I mean, much like we were talking about the intern analogy, it's like you're given a very specific instructions, like to the like the tone, tonality, what uh, content to include, whatever, right? How do we go about building those skills? Because that doesn't come intuitively for a lot of people, especially with a new tool like this. How do we go about building those, uh, the skills for prompt engineering? It's 100%, right? You get people who are like, hey, I'm an early adopter. Like, you know, this shouldn't come as a surprise. I've got the beta version of the new iOS platform on my phone, right? Like, I want those new tools. I want all that stuff, like, right away. And the same thing with generative AI, right? They're incredibly powerful tools, but like any other tool, they require proper handling to achieve the best results, right? So the relationship between the questions you ask and the quality of answers you receive is pretty delicate and a pretty exacting one. So there's three things that I talk about that I think are really important for people to consider to get the best outputs, right? So one, you gotta understand the importance of detailed questions. Prompt engineering is key. So 
A vague question is often going to lead to an ambiguous or inadequate response. Earlier, we talked about peanut butter and jelly. If I said, tell me how to make a peanut butter and jelly, it might give me a basic, you know, grape jelly, smooth peanut butter, white bread, like cut into a like, rectangle. And that's pretty common. But that doesn't mean I'm getting the response that I want if maybe I need something gluten-free or I like crunchy peanut butter or I'm allergic to peanuts and I want an alternative option, right? So what I tell people is bad prompts equal bad results. And that equation may lead to frustration and often you know, cause individuals to abandon AI tools altogether. And I think it's just really important to provide as much detail as you can up front so that AI can zero in on precisely what you need. Another thing that I say, and there's, there's three total here is, you know, don't hesitate to treat AI like a conversational partner. You know, ChatGPT is interactive. You should engage with it. It's not, hey, send me that and give me one thing back. If you're uncertain about what to ask or how to ask, simply say, what more information do you need from me to come up with the best answer? So engaging with that system can reveal overlooked details that make a significant difference in the details that you're looking for, the results that you're going to get. So a common thing I'll say is, here's what I need. Here's the details I have. What other information do you need from me to come up with a better response? And you can ask it, it'll tell you, and then you'll get a much improved answer because of that. And then finally, one thing I like to tell people is oftentimes, you know, a good example is I'm looking for a behavioral based interview. It's based in a medical company. It's for a manager of people. And I'm using builds effective teams from the corn Ferry assessments. Well, if I just asked it, hey, can you give me a behavioral based question on builds effective teams? It might give me something very generic. But if I want it to be something very specific, I give it that information of I'm working on Corn Ferry, we're a healthcare company, this is going to have a remote team, and then it'll prompt me a better output for it. But the key is, provide me 20 answers to that. Give me 20 questions and give me examples and then narrow it down. Just like the intern analogy, they're going to give you information, you're going to edit, you're going to revise and make it exactly what you want. You've got to narrow it down. So don't limit it. Be interactive and ask it questions and make sure that the prompts that you provide have the right amount of detail to get you the answer that you want. Another use I've seen for it besides the conversational prompting to get to whatever you're trying to get to is summarizing large amounts of data. I've seen where like, I mean, for example, I'll turn this podcast into a transcript using the AI tools that I have. And then I'll dump that transcript into chat GPT or another tool. And I might say, summarize this as a podcast intro or summarize this as a blog post or something like that. And it's crazy how it could like go through large amounts of data. Like you're talking, this will be like 25 pages deep of text, like in a Word doc that I can now just dump into a tool and it will generate something in 10 seconds. Talk to me about how you've used it for summarizing information. Yeah, you know, I think it's even going one step further than that, right? And, and saying, hey, I'm Brandon, here's my podcast. By the way, can you also give me some feedback about areas that I can improve as a host, right? Like think about taking it even further than just a synopsis. But I think one of the key factors here is, you know, when it comes to summarizing data, I mean, like we said, the system is built on the collective knowledge of the internet up until 2021. And so, you know, it has a ton of data out there. There's a couple of things to call out for people. One, what we use most frequently, the chat function where we go in and we ask it questions. Maybe we set up our own profile so it's personalized to who we are. I really compare that to being the cherry on the top of the banana split. You know, that is such a limited functionality of what the system can actually do. When you actually integrate it into your own data warehouse, you have even more opportunity to strengthen your output, right? 
Um, it can synthesize data within your own internal systems. Imagine giving it total access to your data warehouse, asking it to assess the culture of your company. And it doesn't just use your engagement surveys, but it uses underlying data like the tone of emails. Or it uses underlying data like, you know, the engagement or, or how much people actively use sources or the tools that you give out to them, right? So I think it's an amazing tool in that one of the ways that it can do that going to beyond just the chat function is, you know, with the beta version, if you're using chat GPT plus, which I recommend everybody to do, if you're still using it on 3.5, it's like using a tape deck when we're already into like, you know, digital audio now. So the difference in the quality that you get between 3.5 and 4 is demonstrable. And so one, make sure you do that. Two, it opens up some of the beta versions that you can use the plugins where you can use like my PDF or similar tools where it can assess tons of data. Whereas right now there's a character limit to how much data it can do through the chat function, right? So that kind of shows you, okay, maybe that the beta versions is some of that whipped cream on the banana split. Integrating it into your own data warehouse and your own systems is now really opening it up. And now you're getting that ice cream and the banana and all the rest of the good stuff that's in there. But of course you have to have a little bit of a technical uh, capability for that. You have to work with your infosec team, your HR team, et cetera, to make sure all the right stakeholders are in place to develop the right policies and ethical considerations. I want to hone in on something you just said a little bit ago. It was like a subtle comment, but I want to unpack it a little bit. You talked about uh, a profile or tone. So could you create your own brand voice or like a personal brand voice that then every time it's generating something within your profile, it will output that similar tone with everything that's coming out? Like, is that possible? Yeah, you could, right? And so it's actually a function that just came out in ChatGPT Plus just recently. And so when you get into it, if you have the plus version, you go into the bottom where your picture is and you edit and you can choose on your uh, profile and it'll actually let you put in information about the company you work for or what you do or kind of any kind of background information and then any other details that you want. So if you wanted to talk like a surfer bro for every answer that it answers, it'd be like, oh, bro, thanks for reaching out to me about this totally awesome, you know, employee relations issue. This guy's going down the tube hole. So it'll answer those things like you in that text, in that, you know, you know, tone that you want it to, or you can make it very professional. What I find is that sometimes it becomes too professional. You have to ask it to work yeah. in a native tongue or conversational tone because you still want it to have your own voice. And I think that that's what's important is, you know, by providing examples of the type of uh, emails that you've sent out or what you look for or giving it feedback and saying, great, that's exactly what I look for. It starts to learn what you're looking for in that. And so that's one way to do it. The other way is if you have multiple tones that you want to have. You know, maybe one is emails for your wife. Maybe one's emails to your work. Maybe one is some consulting that you have on the side and you're talking to somebody you know very well. You can prompt it initially to say, hey, I'm an HR expert. I have a, a serious interest in technology integration and chat GPT. You know, you can really tell it a lot about who you are and what you want it to sound like. And it'll do that very well. One thing I'll call out, though, is that you have to sometimes remind it. You know, people worry that ChatGPT is remembering everything that I put into it. It's taking all of my data. I'll tell you what, I have to remind it the tone that I have sometimes, you know, so if I have to remind it of something that's within a thread, it's probably not taking all that information, but it's it's probably better to be safe anyway. You mentioned a word uh, that it was really subtle, but I've experienced it with a couple of prompts that I've done. Uh, hallucination. What's that? Yeah. Well, hallucinations, if you're using 3.5, you probably experience them much more than you do in 4.0. But again, ChatGPT is basically a, a word generator. It predicts the text and analysis, right? So that's why we go back to that peanut butter and jelly example, where if I say I want crunchy peanut butter, it's going to give me that in the answer that I'm looking for. 
But if I don't give it that, it's going to give me whatever it needs. And so sometimes, because it's only been taught up until 2021, it's going to give you information that sounds right. If I read it, I'd be like, oh, man, you're talking about this guy at this company having this quote and this is what they did. That's amazing. But if they don't have an answer, it is trained to make an answer for you. It is there for predictive text analytics, right? It's not there to say this is right or wrong. And so you do have to be careful with that. And there's ways around that. So one way is one, first get ChatGPT plus, you'll reduce that risk a lot more. Two, you can ask it to only give you real world use cases or real world examples so that it's not providing you any kind of fake information. Three, you can ask it to cite the data. It'll actually be able to cite where that information came from so you can take a look at it. What's really important is nobody should be going into chat GPT saying, here's a question I need to answer and then copying and pasting that into whatever it is that they're doing. That is not what chat GPT is. Chat GPT is a tool to help you and make you more efficient and to speed you up. It is not a tool to give you the right answers, right? So you have to go back and edit it just like that intern. Look at their information, look at the output, you know, take a look at it, make sure that the information's true and accurate, and then you can publish. But until then, you want to make sure that you, you know, you kind of check the resources and make sure that it's accurate. Like any tool or technology, there's always risks associated with using it, but I, I don't think that should make us all fearful for using it all together. So I think like if there's guardrails in place within an organization, let's say we have a concerted effort around like rolling AI out to our employees, uh, because it makes us more efficient, you know, whatever we want to use it for. What are some ways we can put those guardrails in place to make sure to minimize those risks? Yeah. You know, I think first and foremost, crafting policy and governance structures for AI integration is it's a complex and, and it should be a collaborative effort. Right. And so I think about it as like assembly a jigsaw puzzle where every department, operations, HR, information security, legal, ethics, they all hold a different piece to that puzzle. Right. The alignment, the cooperation, shared vision are what's crucial to create that coherent picture. And so I think it's really important, you know, to really consider that. It's going to be really dependent on the size of your organization. There are plenty of people who are an HR department of one out there who basically have free reign to do whatever they want because their organization may not be adept enough to say, hey, we need to get out in front of this. You may have other organizations, healthcare organizations, for example, where there's a lot of risk around HIPAA and patient information and a lot of risk around getting fined and sued, right? That you want to be more careful about that, right? You don't want to make sure that you're not having any compliance issues. So, you know, I think ultimately the policies have to reflect the organization's values, the ethical considerations, legal compliance with whatever industry you're in, and then the operational needs. I also think that you involve potential blockers or skeptics in that process to ensure that all the objections and concerns are really addressed up front. There are people that I've dealt with who, you know, here's an example. I have a consultant who oftentimes will say how much she does not like ChatGPT. It's not good. It doesn't give me the right answers. It doesn't assess it. The first time I ever spoke to her, she's like, I'm trying to get it to assess a Supreme Court verdict so it can tell my clients what's going on and give them guidance. Well, the Supreme Court verdict came out last year. It's not going to know the answer to that. So you have to understand the capabilities of the system and not get frustrated with it. And then two, you know, you have to make sure you go check that work. But ultimately having her, as an example, involved in a process, somebody who doesn't necessarily trust the system, is the best way to develop those processes up front or develop whatever those compliance issues um, or compliance policies that you want to develop up front to make sure that you involve all the right partners. You seem super well-versed in this area and you're an HR leader. How did you go about 
learning AI? I mean, you seem like you probably just get it. You're probably like me, just get in and tinker with it and learn, like self-teach. But are there other experts that you follow? Uh, have you done formal training on this? Like, what? Give me some of the the resources that you would recommend. Yeah, of, of course, man. This may seem like a really obvious answer, and it may get an eye roll from a lot of your listeners. But listen, utilizing AI itself for research, asking specific <laughs> questions, seeking guidance can be an extremely enlightening experience. You'd be surprised how much you can learn by just asking ChatGPT to teach you. So consider it like a research assistant, right? It's going to guide you through a maze of information to give you the insights that you seek. However, finding reliable resources or experts on generative AI right now can be quite a journey. There's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there, right? There's people who have realized this is a brand new technology. People don't know a lot about it. And I can go and create this overlapping system that's basically the same thing as ChatGPT and try to sell it to you and make money off of it. So I think it's one really important for people to, you know, take that journey to learn more about it so that they don't get caught into a scam like that. So what do I do? Join professional groups, right, on platforms like Reddit, LinkedIn, Discord, Facebook. Those all will drive collaboration and continual learning. You'd be surprised people sharing their prompts, engineering what they've done, asking questions about how to improve it. You know, these are really fantastic ways to get in and learn about the system. Follow industry leaders and academics like Connor Grennan. He's the dean from the NYU Stern School of Business. He posts about ChatGPT on LinkedIn continually and is a fantastic resource. Um, there's another person named Ruben Hasid, who's great at giving free tools and resources across a variety of industries to really help with prompt engineering. So find those people who are out there posting regularly who are going to want to learn about it and, you know, build your network, build your connections in the field of AI and really work on those personal interactions, the mentorship, the collaboration. And I think you'll really enrich in a, you know, your skills and understanding of the platform. Steven, this has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate you coming on and just sharing your wisdom and what you've learned. I mean, I learned a ton. I have a lot to do and I, I just appreciate everything. And, and I know that listeners are probably like just spinning right now thinking like, oh, all the possibilities and also probably a little uneasy, but uh, the fact that you pointed them in the right direction is, is a great first start. So I don't know if, you, if there's a parting thought that you want to share or if you just want to invite people to connect with you, anything that you want to share in closing. Yeah, you know, this has been a great opportunity to speak about a technology that I think, you know, has been painted as a game changer. And I'm 100% in agreement with that. And I think people just really have to delve in. You have to be very intentional about using it on a daily basis and figuring out how can you integrate it into your own workflows to improve your productivity and to improve your efficiency within work. I'd be more than willing to help anybody out with that. I own a company called 813HR. It's a consulting company that does fractional HR consulting and helping HR and business leaders integrate chat GPT and technology into their HR processes. I'm also willing to connect with anybody on LinkedIn and answer questions for free. I want to help everybody learn this because I do think it is a game changer in the HR world and more than willing to help people learn more about this and get better at it themselves. So really have enjoyed the opportunity to speak with you today. Uh, I've learned you know a lot from your podcast over time and feel honored to be a guest today. And, and thank you very much. My guest today has been Stephen Lytle. Stephen, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised.
Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.